Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to Front and Nationwide, the athletic, dedicated podcast uh, of the Blue Jackets Front and Nationwide, a special edition here today. Friday afternoon, Blue Jackets making big news over the last, geez, 24 hours. First, a stadium series coming to to uh, Columbus for the first time ever. An outdoor game at Ohio Stadium that'll be March of 2025. That'll be officially announced by the team. Uh, or the league, sorry, uh, this weekend, probably Sunday. The big news, the news that just trumped that all out of the way, because there can never be good news here, is that Yarmo Kekalainen fired uh, after 11 years and two days as GM of the Blue Jackets. Uh, we have lots to talk about. That's why we're doing a special edition podcast today. Uh, we'll go for about 45 minutes here. Unfortunately, I do have to bolt at, at uh, 12.45. But let's get going. You can send text messages along. You can step to the stage if you want to ask the question. Uh, we can talk Kekalainen. and we can talk uh, outdoor game. We can talk current state of the Blue Jackets. Uh, Blue Jackets are in California now, uh, set to play the San Jose Sharks on Saturday at 1030. And here's a programming note I'll, I'll, I'll send your way um, early on. Uh, I'll, I'll see where this goes. But, but I might put it into the Sunday notes as well, just to let people know. I'm up Monday, Wednesday, Friday, really early uh, for medical stuff that I'd rather not get into at length here. So Tuesday, a game that starts at 10.30, I need to get up at 4 a.m. to be where I need to be at 5 a.m. If I were to cover a game as I normally do, that gets me done at about probably 2.30 in the morning. So I'm no longer a young pup. I'm not going to work on... I'm not, it just can't work on 90 minutes of, of sleep anymore. Um, so there will not be a game story after the Blue Jackets at Kings on Tuesday. We'll still have coverage next week. Just a heads up there. Um, don't be surprised. You can be disappointed for that. I apologize. Don't be uh, surprised if, if you don't see a game uh, a game story on that Wednesday. Uh, so let's get to the, the comments, the questions. Again, you can send us a text message. You can step to the stage and we'll bring you in for a uh, to ask a question in your own voice. Um, Jonathan B. starts us off. He says, thanks for your story about candidates today. Given the decision by committee that seems to be happening with J.D. at the, at the helm, do you see the CBJ being bold in selling at the deadline or being more measured in their approach? Well, uh, I'll say this, and, and you referenced the uh, story that's posted. There is a story on the athletic website right now. It is not a... Um, authoritative list. It is merely a, a good solid stab from talking to people around the league about names that will likely surface here. People who are likely to have an interest in the job. There's some interesting names on there. So give that a look. Uh, we can talk about any of those candidates if you wish. Um, so yeah, so I think what John Davidson was saying yesterday, the final word, the buck stops with him. 
But as a as a guy who has served as a president uh, here, he's not scouting. He's not probably looking at too many scouting reports other than certain circumstances. He's been out of the fold a little bit here, too. I was glad to say glad to see him say something publicly about that, because I do think that's been an issue. And I, I, you know, nobody wants to be the one that spills somebody else's health issues. But it's been a tough year for John Davids, and he's been out of the fold a little bit, recovering from from a back surgery. He mentioned all these things. I'm not spilling any beans. Um, and I think when he stepped back into the fray here, uh, he recognizes something needed to be done. I don't get the sense that that this is going to truly be a decision by committee. I think it's going to be information gathering by committee. But John Davidson making the decision. And I don't think the Blue Jackets are going to be too crazy at the trade deadline. I'm Frankly, I'm not sure they can. Um, we've mentioned here, it seems reasonable to suggest Roslovic is on the move, a pending UFA. It won't surprise, I don't think, too many people if Ivan Provorov has moved as well. Um, they've got to do something to clear up some space on that back end. I feel like they've got a lot of dead wood on this roster that could be moved along. Um, for really any reasonable price. Emil Bemstrom uh, could be easily moved, uh, especially with, with uh, we, we talk of the defenseman clearing that out in the forward. There, there's players on the way here, similar to the ilk of prospects that you've already seen make an impact this season. Um, so, yeah, I think they're going to be aggressive. I, I don't see them moving young players at all. I don't see them making you know, major uh, transformative moves. I think you look at the UFAs, you look at the veterans with expiring contracts and think uh, that's reasonable. Um, Todd, Jay, Todd, I saw your question before we got started. It gave me some time to send a note to a Blue Jackets staffer. Uh, Todd's question was, is the stadium series considered an NHL event or a CBJ event? That is a season ticket holder question, he said. I've been told it is an NHL event. I don't know what that means exactly. I'm guessing season ticket holders will still have serious priority to get tickets to that. Um, but it is an NHL event for what that means. Um, Jonathan S., the rare double podcast week. Had a good chuckle when the news dropped the day after front of Nationwide earlier this week. Thank you, Jonathan. Uh, Ian M., says, a few seasons ago, Kevin Weeks was being considered for the Sharks' GM opening. Do you think he'd be considered or interested in being the Blue Jackets' GM? I think he would be absolutely interested. I haven't talked to Weeks in a little while. Uh, I've known Kevin for a number of years. I know that he is very interested in becoming a general manager. Um, my sense for this job is, and this, I, I, I shouldn't say this, it, there's no reason to think that anybody Anybody is ruled out at this stage. And if Kevin Weeks wants an interview, I I, th I don't think it would be surprising if the Blue Jackets granted him an interview. I think they're looking for somebody, uh, not necessarily with GM experience, but AGM for sure, and front office uh, doings in and out, day-to-day um, -day operations type stuff. I think that is... I. I don't see them taking a risk with this hire, and I don't want to say the Weeks is a risk. Uh, he's certainly smart enough. He certainly understands the job. Um, I'm just saying that he's, you don't have a track record there. You don't have uh, NHL front office uh, lengthy experience to lean on. Um, 
So that's how I would, I would answer that. But you know what? Nobody knows right now who the candidates are. There will be names leaked throughout the process. Even then, we won't have an authoritative list of who has talked and who hasn't. Um, I suspect it's going to take a little while. Tom F. says, can we presume that Davidson is hanging on till the end of the season, then shoving off into retirement? I would not presume that, Tom. Um, but I wouldn't rule that out either. I, in other words, don't be surprised if it happens. I think John Davidson loves the day-to-day uh, competitive aspects of being in an NHL front office. It would be a thrill. You live with the with every win. You die with every loss. Um, that's just how it goes. And that is a hard drug for, for some people to put down. I think he's one of those guys. I think that's why he left broadcasting to get into front office work because you do miss that uh, day-to-day competitive spirit type stuff. Um, so, you know, and with his health issues, I think it's reasonable to wonder if if he reaches a point this summer where he says, guys, I'm not able to do the job the way I need to anymore. Um, and if, if that is the case, then maybe he's looking for more than just a GM. Right? So uh, Janice, uh, Janice says, is there sound yet? I hope there's sound yet. Um, Jacob S. says, how are themes selected for the stadium series? Do you mean teams? Do teams decide or is it a collaboration between the league teams and the Jersey part? Are you talking about, I think you're talking about the Jersey. Um, yeah. So I, I mean, the blue jackets would certainly have input on that. So would the league. Um, I think they'd want something. I don't know. Well, your next question says, how likely is an OSU Michigan theme? I've seen this idea thrown around and personally, I'm not a fan of it. I would be shocked if it was that, to be honest with you. Um, I really would. It's an NHL game. You're not, you don't need to borrow from college football for that. One other thing I thought was interesting, and I, I do not know this yet. I've not learned this on my own, but John Buchagross, who's, who was kind of Mr. College Hockey, uh, has stated that there will not be an OSU Michigan men's or women's hockey game uh, corresponding with this. Again, I I have not been told that other than to hear it from from Maestro Bucci. Um, I take him at his word. The guy's as plugged in as anybody. I'm not sure why that would be. I'm looking forward to getting to the bottom of that, if that is the case. Um, I, I do not think that the stadium series jerseys are going to have college football themes. I don't think the Red Wings want that. I don't think the Blue Jackets want that either. So... Uh, Jeremy V says, if JD retires, is Jody Shelley on the hot seat? I don't get the correlation there. I think Jody Shelley has his job way beyond John Davidson's um, presence within the organization. Jody Shelley's the hell of a broadcaster. Now, the broadcast booth is going to change this summer. Uh, Jeff Rimmer plans to retire, so there will be, uh, if not somebody new coming in, there will be a shuffling. Um, but I don't, the only th- reason I see if Jody Shelley gets out of broadcasting is because he wants to, I've wondered myself if Shelley would consider or has considered, uh, joining this front office in a different capacity than broadcaster. Um, you know, you look around and you see Derek Dorsett, you see Jared Bull, Rick Nash, uh, Aaron Johnson, Chris Clark, some of Shelley's. NHL contemporaries, I, I, I think he could do it. Um, 
I wonder if he would consider that, although he's really, really made a, a pretty impressive uh, career out of himself as a broadcaster, not just with the Blue Jackets, but with the NHL, the NHL Network. Um, so yeah, get off Shelly. I know you're talking about Jeremy. Matthew M. says, question, do you think the Yarmo firing will have a major effect on the scouting department? I feel like the Jackets have been drafting better than most, especially with some of their late-round finds and European players. Matthew, I do think things will change, absolutely. Um, I don't think there's any corresponding uh, firings coming uh, because Yarmo is not here. But clearly some of those scouts uh, are put in place. Not there's, there's no malfeasance here. They're put in place because uh, Yarmo Kekalainen understands how they work. They're his guys. Um, that's certainly his right as the GM. I don't think that absolutely precludes them from staying on. I think some could. Um, but a new GM is going to have some of his guys, too. Uh, so there will be some changes. There will be some changes in the front office, likely, too. Again, I don't think there's any firings coming. Uh, you know, as soon as the season's over, you guys get out. You're with Yarmo. I don't think that is necessarily the case. Um, but I think there will be, you know, a matriculation of people. Uh, especially depending upon where Yarmo lands. He could take some people with him, and the, again, the new GM could bring some guys in. Uh, let's see, Jeff, we just answered that question for uh, another person. Uh, let's see. After This is from Clint C. After Babcock, I believe you implied that between Yarmo and JD, there was one who wanted it more than the other, and the other was being a good soldier. Is there more to that story? Because if it were JD's urging, many would think he needs to follow him out the door. So I have, I passed that by Yarmo on the down low because I had heard that this was a JD hire. Um, and Yarmo, to his credit, Yarmo is a noble, honest person. Uh, my understanding of the man uh, said that is absolutely not true. That is absolutely not true. So he he wears this. I mean, ultimately, the GM, the president, I you know, for sure, if he has a role in this, I, I would ask people to look at John Davidson's r- real role on this franchise, and it is to exist between ownership and the general manager's chair. So the general manager got 11 years, okay? Yarma was fired yesterday, so in that sense, he failed. I don't think anybody who stays on the job in the NHL for 11 years should be seen as failing. And I think the ownership here is probably wise enough that includes Mike Priest, to say, listen, John Davison, there have been some missteps along the way. That doesn't mean he knows less than we do about who's next to, to be hired. And so it could be John Davison's last, last hurrah with the Blue Jackets, as we've seen, or as we've said. I don't know that that is the case. It, it is possible. But I would, not, I would not send him out the door. And then if I'm Mike Priest and, and – uh, John P. McConnell will be left to my own devices to find the next general manager. You need an expert in that in that field. And John Davidson, for all of the for all what anybody may think of him, certainly has more NHL experience in this organization than just about anybody else. Uh, Mark Nell says, "What does this say or not say about Pascal's job security?" Let me get to that in a second. Uh, Joseph M. is on stage. We're going to go to you in a minute, Joseph. So be ready. Um, We'll get. We'll head over to the stage right after this. Martin L says, "What does this say or not say about Pascal's job security?" I think it calls it into question, not short term, 
but whoever they hire um, is going to have a thought, an opinion, and he would then be the general manager. So I don't get the sense that they're going to hire somebody just because they like the coach that's here. So it, it really depends on who they hire and what they what that person thinks of Pascal's uh, coaching record and current job. I will say this: I, I if I'm if I'm the general manager, I would not. I got to be careful here. I would not take too kindly to the fact that Boone Jenner, a player who has had two seasons and prematurely because of back injuries, why how he is allowed to play 26 minutes and 42 seconds in a regulation game in a loss in a season where you're parked at the bottom of the standings. That is beyond me. And that is, that, that cannot, that cannot, it's, you can't say it's been a thing because it's only happened once, but Boone playing 19 and a half minutes a game in this current situation, criminal. Um, this team is out of it. This team has options at center now. I know the desire is to win as many games as you can. I get that. You got to be smart about this. You have to be smart about this. Give Voronkov more time. Give Sillinger more time. Karali. Fantilli's hurt right now. Give him more time when he gets back. He's probably three weeks out. Move Danforth to the middle if you have to. But don't. Do not put your captain in harm's way like that. And let, let's be honest here, too. There's still some thought by some that Boone Jenner could be traded. You don't need to showcase Boone Jenner right now. Everybody knows who Boone Jenner is. Playing him that many minutes, if there's even a hint of possibility that you're trading him, is absolutely criminal. Because that is a real, especially, again, especially a guy that's had back issues. What a what a risk you're taking, an unnecessary risk. Um, I just, I could not believe that when I saw that. And I'll go many years feeling that way. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, Christopher A. says, I'm thinking we'll have some players mutiny if they go heavy on OSU Michigan theme for the stadium series. I mean, there's a couple that would love it, um, depending upon <laughs> Uh, depending upon which team they're dressing up as. I think Corrali would love it. I'm not sure uh, Orensky, Fantilli, Johnson, uh, those guys would enjoy putting on the scarlet gray. But you know what? They're better. There should be a bet involved in this, I would think. Uh, Jonathan P. says, 
Uh, I kind of assumed Rick Nash was being groomed for a future GM role down the road. Does Jarmo's dismissal impact that, do you think? Also, does he see a promotion should J.D. decide to retire this year, potentially as a vice president or assistant GM? Um, so here's what I would say to that, Jonathan. I was actually tempted to put Rick Nash's name on that GM list today. And this is nothing against Nash whatsoever. I, I love the way I respect a player who had a hell of a career. I don't pretend to know his finances, but given the way that he was paid handsomely through his NHL career, I don't think he's short on dough. He doesn't need to work, in other words. He wants to work. It's a passion of his. I respect that. And he's going about it the right way. He's traveling. He's seeing the, the kids. He's helping the kids. I can't tell you how many young prospects I've heard uh, speak in awe about the time that they met Rick Nash outside one of their games. Um, still carries a ton of weight in this game. Um, I think he's going to be whatever the hell he wants to be. I just don't know if this right now is the right situation for him to be a GM. I'm not sure you can be a president at whatever he is, 37 years old, 38 years old. Um, he might be pushing 40. God, is Rick Nash 40? Um, but I think the president's job is even more reasonable, honestly. Um, than a GM's job. And I say that because, you know, every GM has strengths and strength and weaknesses and things that, and, and uh, talents that they need to surround themselves with. So some guys are cap guys. Some guys are scouting guys. Um, some guys have been at it for a long time and understand how to build a dressing room. You need all of those things in place. And very often one person can't do it all. Um, I think it's, it's easier to have, flexibility from the president's chair than it is to the GM's chair. So you can shape that president's job however you wish. John Davidson does what he wants to do. He's good at it. He's earned that right. Uh, that's kind of what a president is able to do. Uh, these are my strengths. Here's where I fit. Um, and you surround the GM by what he needs to be able to handle all aspects of that job. Um, so to me, I guess what I'm saying in a nutshell, I think it's a bit early for Nash to be GM. It's probably a, quite a bit early for him to be president too, but I think that one's more reasonable uh, sooner than GM is. I think Nash would need um, some significant things around him as a GM. I think he knows, obviously knows a hell of a lot about the sport, not questioning that, um, just hasn't been at it long enough to really to really build up a, a resume uh, that may be useful for a job like this. I mean, you look at a guy like Gordon, uh, Jeff Gordon, who's worked, you know, 12 years in Boston, a uh, long time as a scout, player, personnel director, interim GM. Uh, then he goes to the Rangers. He's, you know, he's got a big job there, assistant GM for a while, for several years. He's GM in New York for six years. Um, I mean, th that is a ton of experience. That's really hard to compete with uh, for a guy that's been working in player development for a few years now. Great experience. I think they've allowed Nash to do some scouting, to do some other things. Um, and I, again, I'm not shortchanging him. I just, just this situation feels a little rushed uh, for that. Let's try Joseph M. one more time on the stage here. Joseph, I see you there. Are you there? Can you hear me? Is it me? 
It is you, Joseph. Go ahead. Oh, sorry about the the internet is an interesting place. Um, yes, it is in many ways. This is meant as a positive question, although it might come out negative. After a year or two of looking at the young talent, um, where do you rank the possibilities of where these guys are going to come out based on what you've seen so far? Selinger, Voronkov, KJ, Fantilli, Marchenko, Chinnikov. You know, do we real? I think Fantilli is the only one that I see as a, you know, pretty much no doubter first liner. I mean, could Chinnikov be there? Could KJ? I don't know. I'm just looking yeah. at what your opinion is after seeing some of these guys for, you know, at least almost a year. Yeah. So I like to look at the, I don't like to like completely pigeonhole somebody as, as this one spot or bust, I think I, I agree with you. I think Fantilli is the one you look at from all that group and say bona fide number one in time for sure. Uh, I would have a little leeway with the others. Like I look at Chinikov, and I think there's an outside chance. And a lot of these, a lot of these line combinations uh, have to do with how players sort of supplement each other. So every right. line could be a little unique. I mean, Nick Foligno skating with Connor Bedard right now. I don't think anybody anticipated that, but it's working. Um, so Chinikov, I think, could be a fit on a number one line. I don't think that's out of the question. I think a reasonable expectation for him is middle six winger. Um, I feel the same way about Johnson. I, I don't think he's playing great right now. I think he's going to be a hell of a player, like a point-of-game type player. He's a playmaker, uh, which is unusual for a guy on the wing. I think he wants to play center. I think he's going to play wing. I think he's kind of redundant with Johnny Gaudreau when they both get up and going, but that's that's something to confront in a year or so when Johnson really starts to feel his oats. I think he could play on a top line um, if they need a, a dash of playmaking, puck handling on the line. Maybe Fantilli's a straight-ahead player. I've, I've certainly seen that trait in him, where he could benefit from having a dangler on his line and some size on the right. Um, I think Marchenko looks like a top six winger. I think he's backed up this year what he did last year as a rookie. I think he's a bona fide player. To me, Sillinger has really come a long way this year. And if we had this conversation last year, we were talking about him going to Cleveland. Uh, No one's having that discussion now. He looks like a really a potentially really good two-way centerman. And I would I think a number two center might be a little rich for him. Might be. I don't put it out of the question, though. But I see him as a future middle six centerman. Uh, penalty kill guy, a uh, guy that you leave out on the ice late in games, probably scores 20 to 25 goals a game. Um, maybe some years has 16 to 20. I, I think he's he's really emerged this season as a – a really well-rounded player beyond certainly what he was last year. To me, Voronkov is still a bit of a mystery. Uh, He's playing center. He has played on the wing as well. To me, he's a bottom six guy. I think he can play in the, on the, on a third line. I think there's a greater chance. He's a third line winger. than he is a third line center because of the speed and, and uh, defensive requirements of that position. I think on a fourth line, he could play center or wing. Um, 
But I should tell you, I've, I've started having conversation with some pro scouts outside of the Blue Jackets organization. It's on hold right now. Uh, but mm. asking them about all these players and asking them to project and what they see, what they like and what they don't like out of each of these players. So that's something we hope to turn around before the end of the season. But Joseph, thank you so much for the question. Thank uh, you. Thanks for sticking with it. Um, we'll go back to the chat. We've got about 18 minutes here. Get your questions in now. If you if you wish, uh, Jonathan S says Jarmo had a solid run as GM, and I think we we can agree he was excellent in scouting and draft. The coverage are far from bare, and in a fan base for a team that, despite being bottom of the league, maintains respectable attendance and relatively low expectations and pressure. How attractive is Columbus as the GM position in the NHL? Jonathan, don't lose any sleep on that. Uh, there will be a ton of interest in this job. Uh, and I say that from, from someone who has talked to people already about this job. Um, it is a desired location, absolutely. The um, the young players, for sure. The fact that I think a lot of people see this market. Uh, hey, Joseph, if you're still on the call, if I could ask you to hang up, the background noise might be bothering some people. No worries. Um, I think the the incredible fan support here really has created a sense. I think, I think Yarmo Kekalainen felt this. I think Scott Halston felt this. My God. And I've heard from, from current GMs and AGMs who say this. If you could ever figure it out in Columbus, you could own the city. Because for all that's been accomplished here in terms of building up the market, the fans, there were 700 standing room only tickets sold for that game against Tampa Bay the other night. Last place team. Uh, that's a huge walk up because they don't sell eighteen thousand eight hundred season tickets. Um, that's impressive. That that tells people something. And, and I, I think there are a lot of people who recognize that for all that's been done here uh, off the ice in the marketplace, it's, it's the fans doing. It's the fans doing it. It's them loving their team. Frankly, they've supported this team better than they deserved. But if you could ever be the guy that fixes this thing, this city has not been taken on a run yet. They have not gone on a run yet. People point to 2019. They played essentially two series that year, halfway there. And think of how electric the town was for, for like 15 days with the, the Lightning and the, the Bruins series, which they lost the Bruins series and swept the Lightning, of course. If you could ever get this team up and over the over that hurdle, if you could get them into the playoffs, into the Eastern Conference Finals, maybe into the Stanley Cup Finals, maybe win the Cup, if you could put a string of seasons together like we've seen in some other markets, what would this market look like then? My God, it's, in, it's really incredible that it is what it is, despite the mostly 24 years of losing. Um, so thanks for the question there. I hope I answered that well enough. It's a passionate topic of mine. Um, Philip A says, hope you got some sleep, Porty. JD made it sound. He was pretty hands-off. Do you think this was true over the years? I feel better about a new GM having a strong impact with G JD still as president of hockey operations, if that's the case. Um, I, don't, I think he was involved. I think he paid attention. I think he certainly cared. He sat in on meetings. He weighed in. He, I mean, again, if you've got a guy like that in your front office who has experience as a player, 
a broadcaster and a an executive, you're probably thinking, what does the broadcaster have to do with it? Well, he understands how things get conveyed publicly. Like that is a rare combination of experience, almost unprecedented, uh, to have spent basically 15 years as a player, 20 as a broadcaster, now almost 20 as an executive. That's an incredible career. Um, so he is involved. I don't think he's heavy-handed. I don't think he has stood in the way of moves that if the consensus suggests it's the right thing to do. But I don't think he's just sitting back, you know, going to going to banquets and, and uh, you know, holding babies for pictures and stuff. I don't think that's the, that's been the case at all. But he's going to hire a guy that one presumes he can work with. Uh, let's see. Andrew N., after pushing in so many chips at the 2019 trade deadline, would you almost still have a job today if you'd committed to more of a tear it down to the studs rebuild? Feels like maybe he set himself up for failure trying to retool, remain competitive to the extent that we did. I will say this, Andrew. I think you can go back to 2019 and say that that was a mistake. I think there are a lot of people in the front office, though, who uh, and and in the fans, fan base, and really around the league, who say, you know what? I admire them for taking a swing at it. Like, how long are you going to be in this thing without taking a swing at it? So they took a swing. It didn't work. Uh, and you can judge them for that as well. But I don't think, in hindsight, I, I didn't like it at all at the time. It floored me. Because if you remember, <clears throat> they weren't even assured of a playoff spot <laughs> when they did all that. And they knew they weren't going to be able to keep Panarin and Bobrovsky. And they went the, the other direction. So, you know, it was a freaking blast for two months, eh? eh? Um, and the rest of that season in the playoffs. I draw a different line, though, and, and I think your question still applies, but I would move that date later. I feel like when they moved, I thought it was the right thing to do when they moved Felino Savard. Um, I didn't. Huh, the Atkinson trade was strange to me. Um, the, I think there's some some moves along the way that I, I you know it, it's foolish to think that a team that has been left by so many other players is going to respond to Johnny Gaudreau's interest, unexpected interest at the trade deadline, and say no thanks we're good. So I almost don't fault them for that. But that's not the signing of a rebuilding club, right? And now once you did that, well, now you're kind of, you're keeping line, eh? You're signing him long-term because you're kind of going for it here. I go back to another issue that could have been handled differently when Pierre-Luc Dubois had his hissy fit and demanded to be traded. One of the options I think should have been considered more, or maybe it was, just not adopted, is no, we're not trading you. Sit the hell down. You can cry all you want. As soon as you're ready to play again, let us know. We'll put you back in. I would not have bowed to his wishes. To his wishes. I thought they did as well as they could do with that trade. But, man, that, that, has, that has set them back a lot, a lot. Um, and there's been some other stuff, too. Like, you know, the Gavrikov handling. I think there's some stuff going on with Gavrikov. I think there's some, there are some 
um, issues there that made them not want to go long term, not not personal in any way, just his ability to play for a long time. And I think that's why he got a shorter contract with the Kings as well. Um, but I, I think, you know, uh, I think you take that guy out of the room, pretty popular guy, really popular guy. Um, that changes things. And again, you pissed a player off on his way out the door. And that's the kind of stuff that I think has hurt them as much as anything. I think they've been kind of in between on this rebuild. I got nervous when they pushed back against the phrase rebuild and said, yeah, it's a retool on the fly. Like, oh boy, you know, you can't be half in with these things. Um, they picked the wrong goalie to sign. I think you can say that now too. Again, I supported it when it happened, uh, but it's not my job to be right. It's their job to be right. Um, and now they're they're kind of stuck with that situation. Yarmo, or sorry, Elvis has been much better this year. There's no question about that. I'd love to see him in a different situation. I think he's a really talented goaltender and a really charismatic, interesting guy. Um, but that situation was not handled particularly well. Signing him instead of Corpusalo, trading Corpusalo after a really good year last year. Um, Jonathan C. says, two questions. How is the locker room doing right now? Also, do you think the CBJ outdoor game will draw people from other states or other teams? Um, yes, Jonathan, I think it was. Uh, yeah, the, I think the locker room is actually pretty good. I love the Johnny Gaudreau step to recognize that his teammate, um, Patrick Line has made promises to a mental health organization that he's not been able to fulfill to his liking because he's been injured and now out of the lineup in the, in the NHL, NHLPA players assistance program. I love that Johnny Gaudreau recognized that and said, let me raise money since you can't. That's huge. And those two guys have taken some shit here. Let's be honest. Uh, they are not natural leaders. That's a leadership move by Johnny Gaudreau. Um, and honestly, he spoke about it because he was asked about it. I don't think the team even makes it public um, if he doesn't answer a question about it earlier this week. So that's a really good sign. I think these young players, I, Adam Fantilli is really driven. Sean Corrali is absolutely beside himself with frustration that his three seasons in Columbus, he has one more left, have gone so poorly. This is not at all what he wanted. He wanted to come here and help this team sustain, help them win. Um, it means everything to him. And so I think, you know, Boone Jenner is Boone, the tireless, uh, indefatigable leader. I think Wierenski's a good guy in the room. I think the one guy people don't appreciate nearly enough in Columbus is Erica Branson and his presence in the room. He reminds me so much of some of the young guys, the true quality character guys on this team in the early days of the franchise. I'm talking about Kevin Deneen, Jamie Pusher, those sort of guys, salt of the earth. Um, Grant Marshall was a bad MF and a hell of a good dude. And there were tons of guys like that throughout the room. Kevin Adams was like that. Espen Knutson, David Vaborny. These are character guys. Good Branson reminds me so much of a Deneen type where there's a presence there. Uh, that is the guy who has, who has paid attention as he has paid his dues. 
Um, and so that's, that's how I would answer that. Um, let's see, we're going to go rapid fire here to make sure we get to everybody. Uh, Janice is still not getting sound. I hope that's not everybody. Uh, Chatty says, I imagine some top GM picks would want the ability to bring in their own choice of head coach. Do you get the sense there would be any hangout from CBJ ownership on that stipulation? I don't think there would be, Chad, if the if the coach or if the GM were absolutely adamant that that's his guy and if that's the GM that they really, really want. Uh, what do you think of Eric Pluski as the next GM? Um Joe, I think that's Joe S. With that question, I think he's 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 on our list. We put him down as a list as a candidate. Um, he's interviewed in a ton of different places. He's a absolutely respected figure in Carolina. So, as the name, if that name comes across your desk or that resume does, I think you talk to him. Now, I think his strength obviously would be analytics. So, you would need some people around him. Uh, this is not just a numbers game as much as people want to make it that. I don't, I'm not saying Pluski does, um, but there are a lot of lot of things that come into this beyond just simply adding up the numbers. So he would need some help uh, with that, with perhaps player relations in the room. He has not played uh, professional hockey to my understanding. Um, so that's what I think of him. Absolutely a candidate. Uh, Martin D says Jody Shelley is phenomenal at his job. That's a statement. That is a fact. William R says give Jody Shelley a lifetime contract before TNT ESPN sends him one. Uh, Jonathan C says any word on how Amazon buying, investing in diamond sports affects CBJ games on TV? No word yet. Uh, don't know yet. I think they're all trying to sort that out. And honestly, as the closer I look into this, um, I just get completely confused with what the hell everybody's thinking. Uh, Ed B says, who will replace Jeff Rimmer? I do not know the answer to that yet. Uh, Andrew N brings up a good point. Bucci's explanation was that March 1 would be too late in the college hockey season uh, with the Big Ten playoffs too close. I'll take his word for it. That makes a lot of sense. That's, that is the peril of having a stadium series instead of a winter classic. Uh, Jeff G, how long before this team is competitive? And or a playoff contender. Well, I would differentiate between the two. I think on some nights they are competitive now. Not enough. They don't know how to close the game out. That's for sure. Um, I think next year there should be absolutely the expectation of being competitive. And what does that mean? That means you're in most games. That means you're not eliminated from the playoffs in November. Uh, for all intents and purposes, uh, they are not on the whole a competitive team this year. They have to be better than that, obviously. Um, I would love to see this team, and God help me if people talk playoffs this offseason. I don't think it's out of the question ever, and I think players should believe that it's possible. Um, but to set that as an explanation for this team this year, I think was really, really damaging um, for a lot of people. Um, I think they can they can be a competitive team next year. I think the playoffs are probably safely another year away, but they're at a point now. Um, I think they can, I think they can finish respectively here. I think they've, they're dramatically better than they were last season. There's, there's been marked improvement there. Um, so I don't think it's crazy to think that they flirt with the playoffs next year, but that certainly cannot be an expectation or should not be an expectation. They're probably two years away from being legitimate playoff contenders if everything goes well. And I know those are dangerous, dangerous words. Uh, Ryan C says, how does this all impact Pascal Vincent? A lot of people have this question. Joe S has that question as well. 
Um, again, it makes it, it makes it uncertain. Um, he, you know, I'm not saying he's definitely gone. It depends on who the next coach is. So that, that's what I would say. Uh, Friedman, he's talking about Elliot Friedman, said recently that the Blue Jackets took a really long look at Elias Lindstrom and really considered it a few months ago. Did you hear of anything regarding that or know specifically when they were looking into it? Was it before or after the, the Severson moves? Now, that was earlier this season. Uh, it caught wind of it. I'd never got anything substantiated, and I don't like passing things along that are are hearsay or whispers without getting some sort of uh, clear uh, proof that it happened. Uh, this is before Lindholm was traded and early this season. So this is well after the Proveroff Severson moves made in the summertime. Um, Mike B, I didn't learn anything from the presser yesterday. JD said a whole lot of nothing. He echoed much of what Yarmo has been saying for several years now about the team and its potential. Do you get the sense that the club even believes Yarmo's decisions should have led to his firing? Do they even know what direction, uh, what directional change is even needed? Um, you know what? So in any of those things, there's a lot of of uh, PR going on. The only time I felt like the answer was disingenuous is when I asked about the ability to retain players here. And we heard the the, the answer that we so often hear. No one's ever complained about Columbus. Well, no one has ever said that the players have complained about Columbus. Certainly not anybody in the know. That's not the issue. You guys are the issue, not the city. Like, that's the biggest gaslighting scapegoat move ever. Uh, oh, this is a great town. How dare you ask that about this town? It's not about the town. It's about the team. That's the issue. Um, so. You know, uh, that's the only point. I, and I kind of pressed back a little bit. No, 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 no. We're talking about you guys. Because this move, uh, in my opinion, this move was as much about some of the mistakes that have been made as it was about what's coming. And they have to keep this group together. They have to decide who to keep, who not to keep. And that is a, that is a big, big uh, challenge and has been for this group. Um. Let's see. We're going to go really rapid fire. Scott N says, any truth to the rumor that Yarmo was willing to trade Boone, but ownership wasn't? I think he was willing to trade him. I think ownership wasn't willing to trade him, but I don't know that it ever came directly down to that. I think there was more of an indication that maybe Yarmo's idea of how to get this team out of his out of the muck uh, was different than some of those people around him. Uh, any ideas about a replacement for Rimmer? I, I don't know that Scott R. That's something we'll get into after the trade deadline. Thoughts on ownership not showing up at the presser yesterday. Uh, Zach, I made nothing of that because they never do. They literally never do. In fact, in most towns, owners don't show up for uh, GM got fired or GM got hired. That's not usually the owner's MO. Um, let's see. Josh P. You hit it right on the nose with the fan support and how it's come despite building winner. Thank you. David says, with Dumay rehabbing in Columbus, is he allowed to practice with the Jackets at all before being sent back to juniors, or is there a strict policy? I'd have to look into that. It's a good question. I don't think he's allowed to practice with an NHL team. Um, so Kevin M. Kevin W. Sorry, says, when is Doug McLean's return going to be announced? Uh, I have not seen reports that hell froze over. Maybe it has. Uh, in fairness to Elvis, in picking the right goalie debate, Corpy has also not been great this year for Ottawa. That is absolutely fair, Zach. He was pretty damn good last year, though. 
Uh, do you think Yarmo is overrated as a drafter? He has never drafted, developed a superstar point-per-game player in 10 years as GM. Not great in my opinion. Well, he's also never picked in the top three, I think, until this year, Fantilli. So, you know, I think everyone – I think – you know who I think is a good – who has a great record of drafting? Nobody. Absolutely nobody because it's a bitch. It is impossible. Um, curiosity, says Michael M. Do the McConnells have 100% ownership of the Blue Jackets? Does anyone else have a financial fractional claim? Yes, a few do. But if you remember with the uh, the new lease being worked a couple of years ago, the majority owner, which is how McConnell is described, because he is that, and there is a uh, nationwide, I believe, has a stake. Yes. But nationwide stake plus the minority owners' stakes do not equal the McConnell stake such that they're guaranteed to maintain the majority. So that's what I would say. Hey, everybody, thanks for listening to the big crowd. Got to as many as we could. I really appreciate it. We'll do this again next week. I assume the topic next week, in many cases, will be much like it is this week because uh, these are big stories. We can get more into the stadium series. Again, that should be made official this weekend. Uh, an exciting time for the franchise. Lots going on. Big couple of days in Columbus, Ohio. Thanks for listening. We'll be with you again next week. Have a wonderful weekend, everyone. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.